I want everyone to be able to come in, whether you've played in a shed before, whether you've been playing drums for three months, or you've been playing them for 30 years. There is something to be learned from the other player. It doesn't matter how good you think you are. I want to see you play. everybody to Nashville Drummers Podcast, episode 39. It's been a hot minute since we've been here, and it's good to be back. Yeah, it's definitely that time of year between gigs, and Nate and I have both been traveling, so thanks everyone for your patience. Today we are featuring our good buddy Jake Robinson, who is the founder of 615 Sheds, and of course we just had our first sponsored drum shed over at Drumbox a few weeks ago. Thank you so much to all the drummers that came out. That was a really fantastic event, and we'll definitely uh, we'll get into that throughout the conversation with Jake. This is a really interesting conversation. We go to uh, a lot of fun places, and also a few that I think people may find divisive, but just keep listening. I promise. It's a, it's a great combo. He's a great dude and a great player, and I really think this is a valuable thing for people to listen through. And in fact, not just him. I said a few things in that podcast that might ruffle a few feathers, and I apologize for nothing. <laughs> yeah, for those of you that maybe have heard of the term or heard of a drum shed and maybe don't even know what it is or have a negative perception of it, this is definitely the episode for you to really uh, encourage you to check it out and to come. Jake's building something really special here in Nashville and really encouraging the shed culture that he brought from Berkeley out in Boston. And we get into all of that and his audition process and everything. And we also get into, we actually opened the conversation with some pretty high level topics about breathing and kind of breaking through barriers and fear during a performance and even just approaching jam sessions and community in Nashville and some really healthy discussion. So I really enjoyed that. Honestly, I want to have him back on and just have a two hour conversation about aquariums and sea life. That's it. Oh yeah, he's a Florida man. <laughs> Next time on Dragon Ball Z, actually the Nashville <laughs> Drummers Podcast. We hope you enjoy. One more thing before we go. Another drum shed is, of course, in the works. Date TBA. And Jake has an upcoming show uh, at a house party on the 28th. So if you can attend, you should attend and let Jake's chops rip your mind from your body. To me, that's the same as anything you're doing musically. Like if you're playing music, you're you're speaking a language. So I'm like, right. I, I don't I don't want to forget. I want the most access to those words. Well, yeah, and I have horrible, horrible memory issues. So like, mm. one of the things that was very attractive to me about that was that it says that it improves that specific part of your cognitive function, and I was like, that's helpful. And then. I also saw there's like a mood booster one yeah, that helps with um, anxiety and things like that. And one, yeah. of, one of the things that I've really struggled with as a player is anxiety. And I'm like, okay, well, that sounds appealing. Yeah. yeah let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's jump right into that. Okay. Why not? Yeah. Okay. Um, when you say anxiety, what does that look like for you? Um, well, I guess it has. It's, it's a multi-tiered thing. It's not exactly cut and dry. Anxiety for me... 
Well, for one, a lot of things in my personal life tend to project onto my art. So let's say I'm having a really bad day. Which I think is true for most yeah. players, most people, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd assume. I'm sure some people are better at separating the two. We were just talking about that outside. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, so let's say I'm having a really awesome day. It's kind of funny because sometimes the inverse thing will happen with me and I will play horribly. Mm. I'm having the best day ever and I just play terribly. Mm. Um, I'm having the worst day ever and I play great. And that could be channeling that negative energy through the drums in a productive way. And that yeah. could be why it's just using the emotions to flow rather than using the brain because I'm no longer thinking I am emoting. Right. Mm. Um, which is big. That's huge. Yeah. Um, but anxiety for me as a player isn't like the typical stage fright kind of thing. Like, oh, I don't want to play. You know, I feel like I shouldn't sit down. Oh, no, I don't want to get up and jam tonight. Um, mm -hmm. Anxiety for me is really breaking out of that security zone. And it's not in the sense of like, I won't land that fill. I shouldn't take the risk. Mm -hmm. I won't do X, Y, Z. Oh, maybe someone in the audience won't appreciate that. It's not really that. The anxiety for me breaking out of that comfort zone is um, how do I allow myself to speak? I guess it's it's sometimes it's more so forgetting how to speak, knowing how to speak, but the ability to speak. And the anxiety gets in the way of that. So I want to say these three things. Let's say I'm at a jam. I'm playing, I'm sitting in the groove, right? Having a nice time. There's a couple different things I could do here on the kit to maybe uplift whatever's going around me musically. Mm -hmm. um, the anxiety is kind of like, boom, here's the roadblock. This is what you're trying to do. This is where you are right now. I'm not going to let you do that. Hmm. You're going to you're going to sit here comfortably. And you can try to hop that wall, but a lot of the times you're going to catch your foot on the top and you're going to fall on your face. So that's really a lot of what the anxiety for me looks like as a player is um I don't trust myself. I know I can execute. I want to execute, but I fail to execute. Hmm. <laughs> I think the way, I mean, what you're saying and the way you're describing it, I know I personally can align with that and relate to that. I think a lot of drummers can. So, I, I mean, I have some questions as you're saying all that. I mean, is it, what is that roadblock and how do you, so it seems like you're, you have the awareness of it. Yes. Whether it's in real time or it's like after the gig, you kind of, as we all do, kind of self-analyze the performance, right? Mm -hmm. But then how do you, other tactics that you've used yourself to get past that roadblock? Um, you know, a lot of times for me, it's, I guess it depends. Like I'm going to use Inglewood as an example. I tend to go a lot. Um, and I tend to meet up with the same group of guys that go a lot as well. And I, and I just want to jump in and say, even though I never go, the text saying come to Inglewood is always appreciated. <laughs> yes. Yes. He just has that on auto. That's not even him texting you. I, That's yeah, like him. Yeah. He's got a guy it's for an automation. That, yeah. No, yeah. I called Verizon. I told them, here's my number. Here's his number. You're like, yeah, I'll send pay it the to upcharge of 10 bucks to text Nate. Every Sunday, just make sure it happens. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so let's use Inglewood as an example. There's a group of guys that usually I end up meeting up with. And right? just for just quick, for people that are listening that don't know what the jam is, if you could just describe that quick. Yeah, so Inglewood Lounge is a bar in East Nashville, and every Sunday they host something called the East Side Jam, which is curated mainly by another fellow drummer, uh, Jody Lee. Yep. He's a super nice guy, super dope player. Um, but every Sunday they host this thing, and it's three sets. First set's the house set. Then they take a break, and then they start opening it up little by little to people that want to sit in on any kind of instrument, whether it's vocals, keys. I mean, sometimes horn players even pull up and will walk around and blow trumpets in people's face. I mean, it's 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 really cool. It's um, really, really a healthy community. But I tend to be a pretty regular guy at that. It's something I like. It's something, even if I'm not playing, I enjoy hanging. Um, it's a very welcoming space. So let's say I'm there. Okay, and I'm sitting down and I'm playing or I want to play and you're asking me what does it look like confronting that sort of roadblock well I was I was referring to when you're on the kit but yeah that too the having that anxiety because I mean I definitely feel that I've, I haven't played there yet yeah uh, I've been to some other jams you know Flamingo Invite um, uh-huh. definitely have not played there you know maybe, maybe eventually but yeah definitely I, I think the one thing to mention about the East Side Jam is I think it's for people that live in this town would understand it's much more approachable. Oh, um, most certainly. It's just more of a, I don't know, more chill vibe. Not, not anything yeah. against Flamingo because those are some of the best musicians I've ever met play that. But because of that, I think it's a little bit more, especially if you have some anxiety or, or those roadblocks, you know. It's, I will say the Flamingo is much more intimidating. Yeah, um, yeah. At, at least where I could see that it could be more intimidating. And so, yeah, discuss. So, like, if you want to play, how does that even go down? I mean, you, you kind of just, you talk to Jody, you talk to the guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically, you talk to whatever, you talk to whoever is playing that instrument that you want to play. Mm-hmm. Um, you go up, introduce yourself. Um, obviously, regulars get first call um, or, you know, very close friends of the people playing. That sort of deal. It's like a seniority kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but really, you just kind of wait for an opportunity. You see people start switching out and... You get up there and you play for, you know, anywhere between five minutes and 20 minutes, something like that. I mean, it really just depends on what's going down. Um, but I like to play pretty much every week. I mean, sometimes I get burnt out and, you know, I just go and I hang for a little bit. Um, but really recently I've been trying to force myself to play a lot more just because I feel like I've been rusty. So it's like, it's good to sit down and just Especially with other musicians. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, And so sometimes I will get into that mindset of the anxiety where it's like, okay, I know where I'm at. I'm listening. I know where everyone else is at. I can foresee exactly where this is going. Um, But I feel like I'm not adding anything. And when I want to add things, sometimes I don't find the ability or the space to do so. And that's not because there isn't space. It's because I'm not allotting myself space. Mm. Um, because, I mean, again, all the people that pull up to that jam are phenomenal players. Um, everyone is listening and listening and listening. So there is space. If you have an idea and you want to share it, everyone is open to it. Yeah. Mm. Um, the issue for me sometimes is getting that idea out. So you were saying, how do I solve that problem? Um, for me, a big way that I've solved that problem is breathing. Hmm. I mean, you you talk to Layton, yeah, and countless yeah. others that have mentioned breathing. Yep, 
breathing. Um, it's so, 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 so important to focus on your breathing. Uh, I feel like a lot of drummers don't really understand the importance of it. Some people hold their breath or stifle their breath. You really want to get to a point where, you're, where your breathing is completely separate from everything else you are doing. You are, you are not thinking about it. I mean, Nathan, or, or, or you, Dan, do either of you ever think about breathing? Actually, in my case, I do think about breathing, but that's as, because there there are some bad breathing habits that I am trying to break. So I have to, I'm being very conscious of that in this. Actually, for the last few months, I've been really kind of dialing that in. Like, okay, I you know a few postural changes here and there, and then really dialing in the breathing more nose breathing. Not right. mouth breathing. I, when I'm playing, I'm a, I have a terrible habit of mouth breathing. Mouth breathing. Well, but, well, is what one a, worse? Or yeah, yeah. You want them. You want, want a nose? Nose is better. Okay. Nose yeah. is always better. Yeah. It'll, it'll, if you mouth breathe, and it's, it um, activates more like stress systems within you. So it yeah. tension in your chest. Tension and, and a, adrenaline and all, yes. all sorts of things. There are yes. yeah. cortisol. Like not, I don't want any of that. I yeah. want to be as relaxed as possible. But what about when you're in the aisle at Publix getting some spicy ramen noodles? Are you focused on your breathing? Mm, do love Depends how spicy they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair. Fair. But are you? <laughs> Solving it the I mouth. Could, I can. I can just imagine how spicy this motherfucker is going to be. <laughs> um. No, generally not. No. Okay. What about when you're driving to, I don't know, another joint in town to get some spicy ramen? Well, n- speaking of driving, I'm very focused on my breathing while I'm driving now. Yes. Ooh, must remain calm. I'm not going to probably get in another car accident. That's very unlikely, right? <laughs> <laughs> we are glad Nate is back for episode 39, whatever one this is. Very glad. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I think I've been more aware of breathing while playing, but generally no, I'm not really thinking about it. When you're doing your day to day things, I mean yeah. not thinking about it. No. Maybe maybe you'll be focused on your breathing when you get into bed and you're laying down, you close your eyes and you really want to go to sleep and it's just in and out, in and out. Um so why is drums any different? That's my question. Yeah. Well, it's such a performative. It's, I mean, it's like you're, it's an act, it's an art. It's especially like when you're with other people, there's perception, there's judgment, fear. Right. But at the same time, are our sticks not extensions of our arms? How is playing on your ride cymbal, playing a fusion groove, or I don't know, slamming your crash cymbal any different than you reaching up to get the can of beans on the top shelf at Publix? <laughs> I, I actually think, I think part of it is, part of it is like a psychological tension. That yeah. like we're talking about, but then I think another element is probably just simply bandwidth being eaten up. But I'm like, if I'm doing something that's on the edges of my ability, I might be like, like other Stifling. other systems yeah. might just temporarily <laughs> shut themselves off, which obviously that's not good. And like all of the guys, Benny Greb, Nate Wood, and like the people at the very top have talked about how important keeping your breathing steady and relaxed is so that's like yeah it's that's a thing but i think i think bandwidth and 
and just being freaked out. I'm like, I really don't want to fuck this fill up. Yeah. No, and, and I mean, I really didn't used to focus on my breathing. And I was being mentored by Dave Desenzo for quite a while, who is not only one of the nastiest drummers Seriously. on the planet, he is disgusting. Like, just ugh, so good. But he's also one of the nicest human beings on the planet. I mean, he is a genuine dude, and all he really wants to do is play drums. Yeah. And that's so that's so awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but Dave really opened up a lot of things for me, and one of those things was breathing. Um, there was some posture things as well, and then the infamous uh, water on the drums, that whole kind of spiel. Yeah. Um, breathing has really helped pull me out of that anxious state. And I've noticed that when I breathe, I focus more on my breathing and I kind of let my hands go on autopilot. Hmm. So if I want to play that fill or if I want to do something kind of cool, I don't have to worry about it because I'm more focused on my breathing, keeping my temple steady yeah. so that I can operate within my space. Um, that's so interesting because I feel like that's opposite of how we would think. Like the breathing is like we're human. We, we breathe that we don't think about it. And drumming right. is like a thing that you have to think about. Right. Playing a certain fill, reacting in real time to a guitar solo. Exactly. Well, what you're saying is kind of the op, and I, and I agree with you, but it's, it is kind of the opposite, right? Like the breathing actually allows you to then, especially if even, I mean, if you're a brand new drummer, maybe it won't apply as much, but for a lot of us that have been playing our whole life, like we can play. It's not like we just all of a sudden forget how to hit two and four. Right. You know, um, I think that breathing is one of those things that, again, is very neglected through a lot of players, and you will only truly reach pure freedom once that, that thing is tightly knitted in and you, you just got yeah. it. You got it. I mean, because what is our job? Well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> but what is one of our goals as a drummer? It's to have complete and total independence throughout our entire body. Is it not? You want to be able to do something here, 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 here. But what about here? In your lungs. Because you could be doing all of those things and this is the final piece of the puzzle that is not completely independent. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. And that's, that causes discomfort. That can cause mistakes. That can cause anxiety. Because if you're not breathing, you're not relaxed. Yeah. You know what is the one that fucks me up about that? What? When I start thinking about what rhythm I'm breathing in, <sighs> rather nerd, I do. Yeah, but it's it's yeah. a thing. I'm like that's a you but thing I, to but say. I, I literally once I start thinking my, about my breathing, I can't turn that off. Like yeah. I, it's that's it. I'm like okay, so it is in a rhythm. What rhythm is it so that I can keep it steady? As I know, I'm like okay. This is where I need it to be if I'm playing. Like nice, full breath. Yep. Not stifled, not like jilted. So what rhythm is that compared to what's being played? And that's like that is the one that drives me crazy. I'm I'm still not quite sure how to deal with that. Yeah. Well, 
that's a new exercise for you. I mean, I you get so. on Instagram and you do those challenge me things. I'm going to challenge you to put dotted eights in your breathing over <laughs> anything you are currently playing. <laughs> uh, well, it's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking about the subconscious, which is something that you've talked about a bunch in your episode and other episodes. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yes. Then the notion of like, as you think of something, then you've kind of lost it, right? So like, if you're thinking about the breathing, then it's probably not going to come natural and it's not going to be as effective. Correct. If you're thinking about- It's not on autopilot. And if, and if you're thinking about the drum fill you're going to do in this cool jam, then you lose it. Right. Correct. The moment's over. It's no longer spontaneous. How, how do you, how have you dealt with that? Uh, especially in these jam settings. Well, so say you've, you've kind of gotten past the wall to get up on the stage behind the kit. Then that, maybe that moment happens again while you're playing- and is that different, the, like a performance anxiety versus just approach anxiety? Um, well, I guess they're kind of, it really depends on the situation. Because um, performance anxiety is almost like a situational anxiety. It's like, are you nervous about playing? Or are you nervous about playing in front of those specific people? Or are you nervous about playing with this group? Right. Are you nervous about this venue? And it's are probably you multiple nervous about things. the back line? Like, yeah. what are you nervous about? <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you nervous about some particular person or group of people in the audience? Correct. And how, how they're going to perceive you? Yeah. Correct. It could be you're nervous about the job interview you have in two days. It's, That's it's true. All, it's all mental. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas maybe thinking about what you're going to play in a specific fill, I mean, for me, once I've broken that wall, Typically, I don't find myself running into another one. It's mm. like a, you know, the anxiety has pulled a sheet over my eyes and I finally struggled to get it off and I've gotten it off and it doesn't come back, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, for me, it's, it's, a, it's a one and done. But there have been a couple times where I have experienced something like that where I finally open up a little bit and I start smiling. A lot of the times you will tell, I'll smile. I don't smile a lot when I play. <laughs> I don't. I kind of, I yeah, kind of like, I'm I will serious. smile at the other players because I'm always listening. So I'll hear the bass player do something nasty and I'll be like, ah, I like that. <laughs> um, but a lot of the times I don't smile. <laughs> and that's because I'm simply content with what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm not amazed by what I'm doing. And so a telltale sign that I've broken that wall is I'll play something. You'll just see big old grin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I'll be like, okay, cool, that's dope. And once I get past that, usually I'm able to keep it going. But sometimes I have fallen back from it. It's like you play that one thing and then you shelter yourself all over again. <laughs> you were trying so hard. That was a satisfying. Oh, those are good. Oh, they're cold so brew. good. This is good coffee. Brought to you by La Colombe Coffee, Cold Brew, Brazilian Coffee, Black and Unsweetened, Bold and Rich. 15 calories, 9 fluid ounces. There you go. See, we need more sponsors. It sells itself. Dude, honestly, if you guys could secure that bag. Yo, hey, you're not wrong. Well, okay, so wrong. Let, me, let me jump. I want to piggyback on something you said because it was I had taken a note of it. Were you guys at the Nate Smith Clinic? I can't remember. I was uh, not. Nope. It, it was, first of all, it was fantastic. Obviously, well, it's great. Uh, the country great. artist, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. The country artist, yeah. <laughs> what podcast is this that I'm... I can't remember. Um, anyway. <laughs> that applies for both artists right now, actually. That's, that's true. Um, <laughs> but he was, he was talking about how when he's in the moment playing, 
you know, sometimes I'll I'll come up with an idea and I'll be like, oh man, it'll be cool. This, this fill, I got this fill in my head. I want to do that. Oh man, yeah, I got to do that in like four bars. That'll be cool. That'd be really cool. He goes, by the time I get there, that is not the right fill. He's like, I'm I'm not like I'm planning it. I'm not living in the moment. Like basically, it won't even feel right. He's like, don't even. So he basically lets those go. Hmm. That's what I took away. One of my major takeaways was like, oh, yeah, sometimes those, some, you really just should let those go. And that's, it's a form of anxiety going, okay, okay, I had this really cool idea. All right, I'm going to hold on to that idea and then I'm going to try to execute it there at this moment, unless it's something that you take the time to like work out that, and like, okay, this is a part in the song. Then, mm. okay, go for it. Yeah. But right. sometimes you just go, no, I'll know what the fill is going to be when I get to the spot that the fill is going to be and I'm, and I play it right. And it just flows. Right. Well, I mean, that's going back to Dave DeCenso and how I mentioned water. I mean, that's something when I've watched Dave's playing, I don't think he thinks I genuinely don't believe that man thinks. Um, I think he just does. Yeah. He reacts constantly. But the thing is when us normal human beings react, it sometimes can be very sporadic. It's not exactly calculated. With Dave, when he reacts, it's just like, you would have never thought that this was something completely separate. It's all one fluid motion. And I think when you start to think about, oh man, this would be really cool here. I'm going to do this one thing and it's going to like crash on the eve like 19 and then like you know like it, it doesn't matter because you've already now put way too much thought into this you are pulling yourself away from the spontaneous artistry mm-hmm. which is a lot of what our voices are yeah i mean when you think about your voice on the kit maybe for some people but i feel like for me it could never be jotted down on a piece of paper because then you're starting to you know, like, oh, well, this is a lick that he plays. This is his lick. I don't think about that. I don't think about that lick. I just play that lick. And when I play it, it is me reacting to something. That is my voice. I mean, it's the same It's the same way that if someone were to say cat, you'd say dog. You know, it's call and response. Mm-hmm. But it's a call and response with your mind. But, so, but dog has to be in your vocabulary. Correct. So that's, so, and, and this is, I love. But that's the beauty of the voice. Transition. This is the perfect transition because I want to talk about drum sheds naturally yeah. and what you're doing with 615 Sheds, which we will discuss. But so for someone listening to all of this and maybe they agree with everything we're saying, but but we haven't yet gotten to, okay, well, what do I do then? You know, we're just kind of, uh, and I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation kind of talking higher level, but in terms of actionable, you know, next step, it seems to me in terms of playing in the moment, reacting, building vocabulary, it seems to me the best sort of result uh, tactic, strategy, if you want to call it that, would be to do everything you can as musicians to build up your vocabulary, like off away from the gig. So then during the gig, you like when you're reacting, you're pulling from what's inside of you. Yes. Right? And I think, and so to transition into benefits of drum sheds and what that can do, let's talk about that. So, so I would say what's <laughs> funny. Do you, yeah. Do you agree with that also? I do, but at the same time, I feel like the sheds not only serve a purpose of making sure that you're ready to play something like that on the gig, 
I feel like the drum sheds also serve the purpose of making sure you never play something like that on the gig. If you want yeah, to keep true. that ah, gig, yeah, yeah. if you want to yeah. keep that gig and you like people not saying, oh, he plays too many notes, the drum sheds are perfect for you. Get it out there. Yeah. Get it out. Get so, it out. Yeah, just quick. Tell everyone about 615 Sheds and what you're doing there, and then we can discuss. So um, I started this thing called 615 Sheds. I used to throw them out of my basement at my house. Um I had two kits set up. I had my big monster kit, which is pulling inspiration from, like, honestly, everywhere. I mean, it's just kind of like a – there's that, right? And then I have, like, a small little gig kit that's got maybe three cymbals and a stack on it and two toms. And it's just very, very standard thing. And I would set those both up in my basement. And at first, I used to be running everything mic'd up into an interface – with IEMs and you'd have a click track going um, and you'd shed over that. And then as time progressed, I started putting it through a PA and just running a click through a PA. And just to dub it down even further, when you say shed over that, we're talking soloing? Yes. Just getting, so getting your ideas out. The baseline of a shed is at least a drum shed is a drummer and a drummer and they are trading ideas in a solo context in however many bars they want. It could be fours, it could be eights, it could be something crazy, it could be open solos and undisclosed amount of time. Um, but typically, if you're doing things like fours or eights or sixteens or whatever, you've got some sort of thing that you are shedding over. So for me, I've always liked running a click. When I was at school and I was shedding with um, a lot of my really good buddies, Map Over, John Keys, um, Ben Hartley, Ryan McSweeney, like some serious, serious heavy hitters. Shout out the Berkeley um, drummers. Oh, dude, I have to. I have to. I love those guys. What class are you? 2022? 22. Cool. 22. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Matt Bover. Get your ass dude, to Nashville. Please, Bover. <laughs> Bov. Get here now. Thanks for spiking the audio there. Yeah, sorry good. about that. <laughs> no, it, but I meant it with all of my heart and most of my kidneys. You know what? I mean it with a lot more than just my kidneys. Over get here. But anyways, anyway, yeah. um, that was something that when I moved here, I was like, I don't see a lot of this going down. This was when I was still in Boston. Every single day this was happening. It was always shed, 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 shed. Every day with different drummers. Um, and were those actual classes or just... No, this was all extracurricular. Outside, yeah, outside of school. Unspoken, like, yep. Yeah, that's um, what happened. And they were relatively closed off, which, I mean, it could have just been the circle that I was running with. We like to keep it like... There was a point in time where we were putting paper up over the window on the door to the rehearsal space we'd book out so that people couldn't look in and be like, hey, let me in. Yeah. Just be like, leave us alone. We're working. Yeah. We are we are working, like seriously working. Yeah. Um, and when I moved here, uh, I was really like, man, this is not happening a lot. It's something that I missed uh, because I learned so much about myself as a player and I really developed a large part of my voice in the shed with those guys. So, you know, like I said, I curated this thing, I put it all together and I just sent feelers out and... A bunch of local dudes pulled up, some really cool guys in the scene, um, and just went crazy. And the beauty of shedding is that, like, you can sit down with a different person every time and learn something new 
always learn something new. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of, you know, where 615 was born. Really, I was bored and I did it a couple times and I didn't have a name for it. I just wanted a big gathering of people to come shed with me because, again, I was super bored. Um, and then I was like, oh, wait, no, wait. This could be a, a thing yeah. if I really put some love and effort into it. And now we are, um, we just had one recently um, that you came out to. Yeah. Um, and that was at Drumbox behind behind Nelson Drum Shop. Shout out to Jake. I mean, without him, they would still be in my basement, which was super cool. But Drumbox is so much cooler. That was so much that cooler. was very successful. Thanks to everyone that came by. Yes, we had probably over twenty drummers that came out. Throughout I'd the day. say so. I mean, we had some some really cool people. Um, some people that were shedders, some people that weren't shedders, some people that just wanted to pop their head in. Um, and that's the beauty of this. Like I said, when I was at, when I was up in Boston, it was very closed off. It was like, you are not getting in the room unless it is like, you've been invited. And those yeah. are very rare. Yeah, You are not really going to be invited to this kind of thing. Uh, especially because we've got dudes like Bover who just murder just murder yeah, I mean, everyone it, you, you know, put them across i think there's a respectful way to do that it's right like you have course. to maintain especially at that level you have to maintain that otherwise yes you're actually going to get worse you're not going to progress if you're just correct with guys that can't really hang you know? well then again bover makes anyone look like a two-year-old <laughs> it's just yeah. it's i can't imagine how he feels um he must get very bored sometimes <laughs> is it boring is it being boring god bother? yes <laughs> um but um is it lonely up there in the heavens <laughs> sorry dan didn't mean to play footsies with good, you there's Ooh. there's something i wanted to i wanted to touch on cuz you you made a little point maybe without meaning to make it okay there is a power in being bored when you are bored you can innovate that's yeah. where that seems to me where a lot of my best ideas came from, well, I'm bored of this. And that can be like, that can be because I was working at a hot dog stand and I'm like, oh my God, I I need to f- innovate my freaking career, f- figure out how to get out of doing this and go play drums for a living. And like, okay, uh, what what can I do to to get myself moving in that direction? And it can come from your playing. When you're playing, and this is the perfect setting, when you're in a shed, and you shed for more than five minutes, it will expose you. You will yes. be like, well, turns out I know like three different licks and that's it. Then that's over. I'm totally guilty of that. Dude, that's me. I'm I'm not a shedder. I can hang, but I'm not like one of the first, I think the first shed was you, me and Taylor like two, three years ago. Yeah. And that was like, I remember leaving that night and I was like, I have all these new licks from you. And thank you for like, you you not only just killed it, but you like, you know, broke it down for us, which is like you told us, I'm playing this over here and then right, left, left. And that happened happened at the the last shed. I mean, there was someone that came in, he played this lick. It was like a six stroke roll and then um, an alternate split between hand and foot. So it was like, but splitting between the foot. He played something like that and literally shut down the shed. Like I can't remember who was going. I think think it was Emac. It was kind of weird. It was Emac and Madison. Do you, if you know Madison, I know. Uh, I did not realize. And I think Emac played played that. that, Oh dude, Madison's a dirty dog. Yeah. Um, Yeah, But Emac played that lick and I think Madison just went, dude, what was that? 
Like, that's, please break that down. That's, that's, that's super cool. Education. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you you know, I'm about to leave here and woodshed a bunch of those. Yeah. I'm like, oh cool. yeah, that's a cool idea. Oh yeah, cool and idea. and what's cool is like you were asking, you know, like about like vocabulary. How do you develop that vocabulary? Well, shedding not only helps you develop that vocabulary, but it helps you broaden your ear to be able to identify new vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Because like, thing, if you consider drumming as like speech, right? Which is often a comparable oh, thing. Oh, that's it's a like, new word. If you want to talk more intelligently, hang out with more intelligent, talk with, listen to other yes. professors, yes. lawyers, attorney, whoever it is, you will pick up words. Right, right. right. <laughs> and, well, and here's, this has been like- Or, or I've you'll been, say, what the hell was that word? Let me look it up. Totally. Yes. Well, yeah. and, th- and, this is, and this is it right here. This is, I've been contemplating this for the last couple of weeks because I've been- doing a lot of uh, shedding at home to loops, which I have never done before in my life. Yeah. Which is weird because I've, I've found out that everybody else does that, and I just have never done it. I, in my practice, would, like, come up with an idea and then just be like, okay, well, let's put on Netflix and practice that idea for the next three hours. <laughs> so, I'm like, th- that made those the facility of those things very, very smooth. But then my the ideas felt yeah. yes disconnected. I was like, it's the difference between going. I'm going to learn this new word. I'm going to practice saying this new word. Just the, saying the word, and I'm going to read the definition over and over and over and over. Wow, you really know that word, but you're not speaking yeah. or writing. You're not communicating. Yeah. The, the shed is the actual practice of speaking yeah. the language. How, yes. how do you make it? How do you make that new word cohesive in a sentence? Right. right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, that's that's a big thing. Um, I think I've shared this exercise with you that I used to do. I think one of these, after one of the sheds, I think you asked me, how do you get fluid motion? How do you keep your ideas and your phrasing so fresh and so clean? And one thing I used to do is I used to put a click on. Sorry, had to. Do, 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 do. Uh, I used to put a click on, right? Let's say I put a click at 100. I'd pick a grouping. Let's say triplets, 16 though triplets. That's that's more fun. Pick that grouping and put on a timer for 10 minutes and just play. Just play only in that grouping, no stopping for 10 minutes. When you find a mistake, if you stumble over something, a word, if you will, you found a stutter in your speech, it is time to address that. Mm-hmm. So you stop the timer. You put a timer on for another 10 minutes. And you only play that. Just that. Only play that. When that timer runs out, then you go back to what you were doing. And I'm saying literally just let your mind roam. Don't play. No rests. It is all consecutive motion, consecutive notes, um, really achieving that flow-like state. Water. Finding the ability to speak freely, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and and the more that you do that, the more you do something like that, at least for me, that really helped me find my voice, find my phrasing, because phrasing is just sentences. That's all a phrase is, is it not? Like when you play phrasing, when you hear phrasing on a drum set, like let's say it's some cool, like funky stuff, you're like, do do bat, do do bat, do do bat, do do bat, bat, do 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 bat, 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 do that's phrasing. I just said something, yep. right? We were having a conversation 
and the subject was or whatever it was. That was the topic of the conversation. My phrasing was what I had to say about that specific thing. And the sheds really help you with that because when you're shedding, you have just the click. Boop, 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 boop. And you have it in this small block of time. And so does the guy you're shedding with. Very small block of time. So there's not a whole lot of depth to a click. It's just boop, 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 boop. There's not a whole lot of... Yeah, you're either on or you're off. Yeah, it's not the, forgiving. The, the, there's <laughs> nothing special about it. There's yeah. nothing interesting. So you have to make your own context or content within the context yeah. um, in order to tell your story with your words. Yeah. That's where phrasing comes in. And the sheds really help that. If you're listening to the other guy, he could play a cool lick like that six stroke with the hand and foot split thing. And then just like that, you're bouncing off of that. You may have never played it before, but now you're playing it in a context and then you're moving away from that into something else. And it's just like dribbling a basketball back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's just repetition of speech yeah. and ideas. Um, and the shed is really, really, really good for that. Um, even if you're not a shedder. Some people are not shedders. Th- that's okay. And Some the, people are just not shedders. I want. I want to. I want okay. to touch on that. Though. Yeah, because I think and there's a, the, a perception of people that are. Yes. Right. Exactly. So yeah, let's there, talk about that. There's, and I think it's a, especially a thing in. Some of the old head Nashville culture. <laughs> this, there's this. Okay, so Love here's that. a for instance. I went and saw. I went to this jam at. Oh shoot! I, I'm trying to remember where it was now. Bottom line, great band. It was very clear that they had serious chops. Um, drummer took a solo, started like doing some really nasty metric modulation. I was like, oh, this dude's a motherfucker. Like, yeah. Great, great, great player. Gets done, like has a really cool dynamic touch. Gets done, comes off, and, I, and I, I go and talk to him. I was like, hey, man, so what's it like being uh, – and he was he was a little older, I would say, uh, than me. Let's say he's probably in his early 40s. Okay. Um, so I was like, what's it like being like a jazz guy in Nashville? How has that been for you getting work? And he goes – he literally puts his hand up. He goes, shh. Don't say the J word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, there's because there's yeah. a perception here that if, and it's not everyone, thank thank God it's not totally ubiquitous, but it's it is very common that if you attend things like that, people will go, Oh, so that's the kind of guy you are. Oh, you wouldn't like my gig. And what they mean is you wouldn't fit. In my gig. Well, it's yeah, funny you, you say that. Right. Um, yeah. I've noticed that there's a lot of things in Nashville that are like that. Yes. Um, there is very much this mindset of, oh, you do that, mm. you can't sit with us. Yeah. Oh, you went to that school? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm, you. No, no. Oh, I'm oh. not calling you. You went, you went oh, to yeah. Berkeley? The, oh, the, Ber- the Berkeley prejudice is oh, so, whoa, so oh, real. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've heard people say shit about Berkeley people. I'm like, hey, man. I don't know what your problem is. I didn't go to Berkeley and I take it personal. I'm like, hey, shut the fuck up about Berkeley people. They're just, they just went to a school. <laughs> literally. I, 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 the school, yeah. the name of the school has literally nothing to do with your ability. Not literally nothing. Uh, I've you know met how many guys that, that destroy who are from Berkeley and have yeah, just in, incredible ways. chops and yeah. groove and everything. And I've met people who went to Berkeley and I was like, wow, 
Whack, I was better dude. than you when I was like 14. Yep. And at the same time, I've met people that have never been schooled in their life, grew up playing in church that will just blow um, any any of the top you. the top <laughs> tier Berkeley players away. Yes. So I mean, a name from a college really does not mean anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe sure, maybe you had different opportunities at that school than people compared to other schools, but I mean, at the same time you get out what you put into it. Right. I mean, you well, it's just like anything else. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So for people to be upset, oh, you're a jazz player. You wouldn't sound good on this gig. Oh, you went to Berkeley. Well, yeah. I'm going to go call the Belmont guys. Yeah. Uh, okay. There was a point. Yeah. Why don't I- you listen to me play first? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Please. I would love to, I would love to just try. I would love for you to hear what I can do. Yeah. Cause it might not be the same as the usual guy, but that's, an awesome thing. That's the beauty of art. Mm-hmm. I mean, no one else painted vein, uh, paintings like Van Gogh. It's true. People tried. There was a whole movement of people that tried. Yeah. He did that though. Yeah, you're so right. If you want to do that right, you got to cut your ear off. That's all there is to it. <laughs> you know what? I will cut my ear off. To the After first this podcast, me we're going to cut off Jake's ear. Let's you know, just on live let's stream. Just get it done. Let's do it now. <laughs> it's already gone. See? Well, dude, I mean. Another great example. Look at Jake Summers, right? Yeah. People that don't know Jake, let's say they know the gig he's on, they'd, they'd put him in a bucket. Oh, he's a country drummer. Yeah. He just plays two and four. He probably doesn't have chops. He can't He can't play. Look at his back. He's literally a jazz drummer. He can play anything. Yep. Yeah. Yep. We had him on. He told us, I mean, going through um, University of the Arts, right, in Philly, studied yep. with uh, R.I.P. Dom Famularo and, and oh, uh, Mark uh, Digiani. Yep. I mean, Jake's a serious player. The gig he's on doesn't necessarily require a lot of that, but like arguably he's where he's at because, well, I digress, but you know, a lot of transferable skills from learning the harder stuff. And yes. So it's all, you know, it's very risky to just put people in boxes like that and yes. to throw people off. Could, could not agree more with that. And that, all that to say, and I want, I want, I mean, you tell me if you disagree. I, uh, spoiler alert, you're not gonna. <laughs> Nashville, don't be a little bitch <laughs> show up and shed and it's it's not going to make you suddenly magically uh, un, uh oh, now i can't now i can't play country i don't know how to play train beats anymore <laughs> like it's not going to make yeah. you worse it won't it w- i i, pr- it only I swear you to better. you on my life it will only expand your mind that's all it can do is make you better the very worst thing that it could do is maybe it'll bore you. Maybe you show up and go, you know what? It just was really boring. I just, I just don't it care about for that. Me. Yeah, but and that's okay. Yeah. But At you least know what? You tried. Give yeah. it a try. If you've never tried it, if you've never had a chance, this is the same thing. Like, I believe every good person should go and like learn jujitsu because yes. it's one, one of the best ways you can protect yourself. If you go to a class full of people who are like crazy egotists. They're going to tie you in knots and like just work you the, on your first day and you're going to hate your life. But if you go <laughs> if you go to a class full of people who are like just love the art and want to bring you into it, they're going to they're going to make you love that experience so much. And if you're in a, a healthy shed culture, yes. not not with a bunch of freaking asshole Okay. I'm going to give yes. a story. When I was in California, I'm I, not going to name names. I love names. Yes. But when I, I reached out to a dude in uh, who lived a couple hours from me who I knew was a really good drummer, and I was like, hey, man, 
I'd love to shed with you sometime. And his response was something like, yeah, if you think you can hang, we go really hard. So like, don't like, don't show up if you're not going to be like your a game. I was like, yo, first of all, no, do not give me any of that. I'm like, I'm, I will not, I'm not putting myself under you. I'm not your, I'm not your, like your lesser. Mm -hmm. I'm, I deserve to be at this thing because I can play. The end. Shut up. Yes. Plain yeah. and simple. Yeah. Like, don't, do not try to make me feel like I'm this little freaking peon that can't mm-hmm. sit in. Like, dude, that's You're not the one dumbest. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm like, and, and frankly, this person would have learned so much from having me be in the room. And I say that because I want people to show up to these sheds because I want to learn from you. Yes. There are people who so maybe would not show up to a shed that you, that we're throwing. We're because, hey, spoiler alert, we're going to throw some more sheds. Yeah, they're going to This happen. is his thing. We're we're jumping right in together. Mm-hmm. We're getting yeah. in bed together with Whoa, 615 yes sheds. Yes, we are. <laughs> Hot and steamy sheds. That's Dude, but, yeah, uh, that's going to be the that's title. That's what I love about what you're building. It's interesting hearing that you have that Berkeley background of it was very closed off and private. And not necessarily that that was a bad thing, but now that you're bringing that here and you're making it so open and so community driven. Yeah. I loved when we had the the one at Drumbox. I forget his name and it doesn't you know really matter. I'm not trying to call anybody out, but there was you probably remember there was a guy there. I think it was his first shed. Yep. And he he couldn't play to a click. Uh, we you know we played together and it was very evident. He but he opened I up to it. I yeah, walked he, in the room and he I was went like, yeah, him. I just don't play to a click. I'm like, I'm, but and you were you were awesome yeah. at like leading us and I think you you paused it at one point and, and I did, talked yep. to us and I was like, hey, so the, this is how you do this thing. It, you know? That's okay. Like you know, I get that maybe you haven't done this before. I'm still going to show you. Do you want to sit down with me and maybe we can play together and I can show you the ropes. Um, you know, that's that's the thing. Like I'm not here to gatekeep yeah. the art of shedding. Like I've I've done this. I've done this. I went and I shed my ass off for a long time with some people that are just insane players. I've done it. I don't need to keep doing it. Yeah. The reason I want to keep doing it is because how much it helped me. And mm. honestly, those guys were nice enough to pull me into their circle because those guys saw something in me that maybe I didn't see at the time. And because of that, I am much better of a player than I would have ever achieved on my own. And like I said, yeah, they were kind of closed off. And that's okay because this was not to be that guy, but it was like the big boy shed. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, you know, that's just how it was. There's, there, there's, there were there, levels to there this. There is a place for that. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And in in a music school like Berkeley, yeah. that's probably one of the places for yeah. it. And yeah. that's just where I happen to find it. Yeah. Here, there's no reason for it. All I want is to give a platform for people to express themselves and to yeah. figure out who they are and what their voice is. Because I didn't know my first shed with those guys, I sat down across from Bover and I, I'd like, <laughs> what a, what a, a surprise. Me, a part of me died. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A part of me died right there on the Bro. spot. You know what? I remember this vividly. I was at that point in time, still kind of a metal player. I'd grown up playing metal. And so I was very heavy on the double kick. I showed up to the shed with my double pedals and Bover looked at me and said, leave them outside. You're not putting those fucking things on the kit. And I was like, well, what do you mean? Why can't I? You're like, how am I going to play fast? Either you leave or they leave. (laughs) And I was like, oh, oh, shit. (laughs) Um, 
And, you know, that was one of those things where I was like, oh, my God. So there's already my safety net is gone. Yeah, I don't have anxiety. both feet. Yeah. And I sit down and this motherfucker is playing faster than me with one foot and just his hands and doing some crazy shit than I could have ever done at my peak with both feet. And like, needless to say, it was rough. My very first shed was fucking rough. Yeah. It was really rough, especially because before that, I was shedding back home with my childhood friends in a park by a lake. And it was just something dumb. You know, we were just just having fun. We were just kids. We didn't know any better. If you're like at in your home in your small town and you're like, oh, dude, like I'm kind of like kind of like killing it in these sheds. And (laughs) then you go and sit down with these monsters and you go, Oh, I'm a child. Great. Yeah. I've no. got a lot, a lot of room to grow. I love it. Yeah. You literally get shit on. Like, it's complete ego. And I I mean, you get shit on. You get shit on. What's well, the thing? It's yeah. so humbling like, for me to, you know, I mean, yeah. I've been playing my whole life and I've had the awareness. Like, I'm a pretty good drummer. Yeah. I just did the Todd Zuckerman piece. Like, that was probably the most complicated thing I've ever done. Yeah. But I was at the shed and there's guys that are like 20 years old, 18 years old. I think a few of them were, that were just like. Absolute monsters. It, it humbles you. And I say, like, I yes. want to learn from them. And like, that's. What's your background? You know, like, see, that's the beauty that's of awesome. this. It's like, you know, I want this to be a safe space. Like I said, I want everyone to be able to come in, whether you've played in a shed before, whether you've been playing drums for three months or you've been playing them for 30 years. There is something to be learned from the other player. It doesn't matter how good you think you are, no one cares how good you think you are. <laughs> right. I want to see you play. I mean, that's that's just just play. Let's yeah. play together. Let's sit down. I don't think I'm very good. I I talk to you all the time, and I'm like, oh, I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy. I don't like my playing a lot of the times. I'd say a good 75% of when I'm ever thinking about myself and my voice, I hate it. Mm-hmm. So, again, we're no, our worst critics. Yeah, you know. but that's what I'm saying. No one cares how good you think you are. I want to see you sit down and play. Just play. Speak your mind. Speak your ideas. Be free. Be free from your ego. Be free from your anxiety. Be free from your your stresses, your weaknesses. Just sit down and let it out. And that's the beauty of the sheds is because it doesn't matter if you just started or you've been doing this a long time. You could put those two people together and there's no competition here. Mm-hmm. You're just sharing. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's like two need, friends having a cup of coffee. If I were to lock myself in my room and just shed on my own, that's just not as imp- like you need minimum two drummers, right? Well, here's like there has to you need that. And I think the other cool thing too that I saw, especially when you're doing it with the click, the other person's expressing themselves. And what do you, what do you do during that time? You, you're actually just playing time. Yeah. So right, you in that, beat, right you there, you're groove. working on your time. You know yep. I mean? So it's not even just about the shed or getting out chops, but like there's a musical application there too. And what's cool about that is while you're keeping the time, you are listening to them play phrases over your time. Yeah. So you are hearing exactly where all of those things fall against a grid. Yes. Against a grid, mm-hmm. which is super dope because like sometimes if you were to just play a chop, it's like, okay, that's a chop. It's very much like, okay. It's a five-note grouping followed by a seven-note grouping followed by, like, whatever. It doesn't matter. But if you were to hear that over time that you are establishing, it's not like you're hearing it over a click in a studio. You are literally sitting there physically playing the time. Dude, 
bat, boom, bat. And this dude over here, whatever, you are hearing that against what it is you're doing and already you're internalizing that, whether you realize it or not. Your ears have now picked up on this. They are listening. You have engaged your brain immediately tenfold over if you were just trying to play licks over a click in your basement by yeah, yourself. Agreed. Right. There's something special about that synergy. Yep. Well, and let's let's not also gloss over what's the first thing you do when you're shedding. Someone plays a groove. They make the decision on what the starting groove is going to be. Yep. And then the next person copies that groove. And I've been in sheds with people who who are like, we'll do kind of a similar one. And you're like, yeah, that's not what I played. Then I've been in sheds with people who are like, no, I'm going to dial in the groove that you're playing exactly. And when somebody plays, if you choose a groove to start, I'm going to try to imitate exactly what you're playing. So that's that's a part, like the first thing you're doing is tuning yourself into the feel. Yes, and what's going on around you. Like that's so... Everyone who's going to be like, well, this has not, that's not going to teach you good feel like bullshit. It's yeah. going to teach, it's going to teach you to listen. You're 100%. the first thing you do is listen in a shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, well, that's, that's all you ever do. Yes. Because again, you can just blow chops. It doesn't matter. You can just sit there and play in your four bar span and play as many notes as you want. It doesn't mean it's going to sound good. Yeah. Yeah. If you listen, that is when you start to chart maps. Like you, you, you have to, Ooh, that's juicy. Uh, I, know, I love it. Juicy. Yeah. Well, dude, what's yeah. the, like, think of Mason. <laughs> yes. That's the first, yes. Well, we did, there's, I've My seen Lord. multiple examples. Like when he was doing that with us, I watched videos of him with other people. He'll like play a groove and someone kind of does something similar. He's like, no, no. He'll like stops. And it's like, no, this is what I'm playing. Like, yes. Oh yeah. That's what you're playing. I'm like, he's like, not like if you're not playing, he's like, then I'm aware that you're not listening. Like that's he, he's like, no, the shed doesn't start until you know until you well, understand you what I'm playing in. as the just the main group. Wow. This right. Is it. <laughs> and I mean, again, this is also Mason Gidry we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's Mason. Yeah, it's Mason. Yeah, I'm telling you, Mason and Bover still need to shed. That's something I'm putting on the record. Map over, Mason Gidry. It has we'll, to happen. We'll, we'll get it. I need that we'll game. Get it. I need we'll that get game it. footage. You guys have to do live coverage. But anyways, okay. um, yeah, that is that is um, something that's really important about the sheds. But I kind of pull that back a little bit. I'm not so strict on making sure that you're listening to specifically the groove. I mean, that's the beauty of the click. I throw that up and it's like boop, 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 boop. You always have that to latch onto. If you don't want to play a groove, you don't have to play a groove. If you don't want to play the same thing as what the other guy's playing, you don't have to. But you're both going to start in one specific place, and then someone's going to take over, and it's just going to keep snowballing. That's how that works. Hey, drummers. Do you need a place in Nashville to practice on actual drums? Drumbox is Nashville's newest drum practice studio. Book sessions online and get the space to yourself. It's fully equipped with two kits, cymbals, hardware, and even sticks are provided. 30-minute, one-hour, and two-hour sessions are available at www.drumbox.space and use the coupon code NDP25 for 25% off your first session. Again, that's www.drumbox.space. You 
No, I've actually had to fight a shark before. Did you have to fight a shark? I've had to fight a shark. What? Tell I'm us a story. I'm from Florida. You used to fight a shark regularly? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, I'm Was it from the same Florida. shark? I have a, a standing fight yeah, with a shark every it's like, it's like that Family Guy episode. Whenever he runs into a chicken, they <laughs> just God, fucking yeah. beat each that's other's asses. Yeah, oh, imagine. yeah. No, exactly. Um, so, tell, yeah, tell us a shark story from Florida. So, I am... Dude, I have a lot of marine life stories. I've had fish in my nose. Um, it, in my nasal I've, cavity. There are so many directions we're going to go with this in a minute. I'm going to derail you in two seconds after you do the shark story, and then <laughs> and then we're going to go right into aquatic life. You know what? I'm anticipating that, actually. Oh, so I am from Florida. I was born and raised in Fort Myers, Florida. You know, I, I grew up 10 minutes from the beach, always. I wasn't a big beach goer um, when I was growing up. I just kind of wanted to play video games, yeah. just sit around and live life through the eyes of like a random RPG character because mine was very boring. Yeah. What were your favorite RPGs? Fallout New Vegas. Okay. Best game of all time. I will fight all of you on that. Okay. <laughs> we can take this outside. Um, I grew up very close to the beach and I met this guy in middle school band. Uh, he played the baritone saxophone and everyone called him Lettuce because he had like this big... It literally just looked like lettuce. Like his head was a head of lettuce. So everyone called him lettuce. His name was Camden. Uh, this guy ended up being and still is the closest thing I'll ever have to a brother. He was very big into like marine life and just being out in the water, fishing, uh, paddleboarding. And so, you know, I used to go out paddleboarding with him. And for those of you that don't know what paddleboarding is, you stand on a board. It's like surfing, but you've got to paddle. And you're not really trying to catch waves. You're just pushing yourself through the water. Yeah. Um, great exercise, lots of fun. We used to go out and do that a lot. We'd go paddleboarding. We'd bring public subs. Pub hey, sub, baby. Pub subs. Listen, if you are not from the South, you don't understand. Florida is not the South. Florida is its own thing. Yeah. But Florida you don't actually leans into pub subs even more, more than yes. the rest of the country oh, does. Yeah. Oh, yes, the chicken tender sub. Yep. If you don't know about that, you haven't lived a day in your life. <laughs> Just saying. Um, but anyways. I, we, I literally never had one, and my guitar player who's from Florida, D shout out Dante Frisiello, you fucking legend. He was like, all right, <laughs> go to go to Publix. He goes, if you don't get the ch the chicken nuggets, chicken, wait, chicken nuggets. Chicken tender Chicken tender, yeah. He's like, you they get do the, a buffalo one too. Which yeah, is he's just like, oh, if you don't get God. the chicken tender sub, you're dead to me. Yeah, no, literally. I mean, it's like uh, people, it's like you hear about Florida Man, like in the news. Well, you know what? Those people didn't have their daily Publix chicken tender sub. Yeah. That's why those things happen. That's why some guy on crack, like, picks up an alligator and fights <laughs> off 20 cops with it by the tail. Like, like these things happen. I've seen them. So is this what led you to the shark fight then? Uh, yeah, I am a Florida man, so yeah, yeah. these things do tend to find me. I don't go looking for them, <laughs> sure, sure. but when in Florida, you know. So you're out paddleboarding. I'm out paddleboarding. This is not with my buddy Cam, and one of my major fears uh, is not being able to see what's under me. I am a big spatial awareness guy. I, I love knowing exactly what is around me at all times. I'm one of those guys that sits with my back against the wall, close to an exit, watching the door. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of those guys. Um... When you are standing on a little board thingy in the middle of the ocean, you don't have any control. You don't know what's under you. And that is terrifying. You know, sometimes shit happens. And 
this one particular time shit happened. So, um, so you can't really see a whole lot. You know, there's things around you, you know, there's probably like little bait fish schooling and stuff like that. And sharks have been known to come closer to shore. And again, I'm not that far. I can still see the shoreline, but I'm a little far away for a comfort zone kind of thing. You know what I mean? There's not like a sand bed or a shelf or something that I could run to to find safety. Right. Um, like I don't know how deep yeah, you're out there. Yeah, yeah, I'm out there and I'm just chilling. You know, I was doing whatever and I feel my board get bumped. So I'm sitting there, you know, oh. everything's fine and I just hear... And I'm looking around. I'm like, what the fuck was that? You know, because I'm sitting on my board. Right. I'm, I'm like crossing my legs, sitting on my board, and my paddle sitting on top of me. So I jump up immediately, and I see the tip of a fin come out of the water. And already I'm like, dude, are you fucking serious? Because um, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> I don't like sharks. I think they're badass. <laughs> but again, one of my favorite things in life is having control. Yeah. I can't beat a shark i can't like use jujitsu on a shark and make it tap out like like they, they don't have any fucking bones yeah. so there's no there's no there's no submissions i can put no. it in no yeah, you're yeah. you're screwed yeah. um so oh i feel God. that happen and i see him start circling back so i'm already panicking i start going back towards shore like beelining it and the shark knocks me off the board oh my God. so i'm in the water it comes from the board knocks me off I don't know how big the shark is. I don't know what kind of shark it is. I see him coming for me, right? So I, I, I'm in the water. My board's up there. It's not as deep as I thought it was. Um, but I'm also 5'5 five, five on a good day. So it's still pretty deep for me. Yeah. Um, I, I got to have my little baby floaties, you know? <laughs> I got to... I see him coming at me and just remember taking my paddle and just... Right in the nose. And it pissed right the fuck off. Oh, my God. Just went away. That's insane. Yeah. Very underwhelming. I had this big wine up just to tell you I hit it in the nose one time and it swam away. <laughs> you fought a shark. I did. All right. So that leads us to uh, we've talked a lot of conceptual and then the random. But yeah. I want I want to just get let's get a quick little background on you. So you are, as you say, a Florida man. So let's talk. Let's talk about little Jake. What was your childhood like? When did you get into music? What was the, what was the thing that brought you into music? And give us a like a, a a quick shot of your journey. Okay, so my dad was never really a musician. My dad was a big metalhead, so he was like going and seeing Slayer and Pantera, Metallica, and all those big, huge thrash metal bands way back in the day, and just like fucking it up in mosh pits. That's what my dad did. My mother um, and her three sisters all played an instrument. They all played flute, hmm. which is also very different from drums. Mm -hmm. um, and there was never music being performed or played in the household when I was growing up. Uh, there was a lot of music on the radio. There was a lot of my dad playing metal music in the garage or my mom having like whatever 90s alt rock station on in the house or whatever. You know, so I was always constantly listening to things and digesting it. I, I don't know. My mom always, it was mainly a lot of my mom. She was always exposing me to music. She said when I was a baby and I couldn't sleep, she'd put me in the back of the car and put Mozart on and drive around the block one time and I'd just be out. So even before I can actually remember it, I was exposed to music. Now, fast forward a long time. 
I'm super, super, super ADHD, ADD. I'm always doing stuff. And it was way worse when I was a little kid. So I would always be banging on stuff. I'd go to my grandma's house and I'd take like forks and hit on her pans and stuff like that and just play sure drums all the time, like cardboard boxes, whatever. It didn't really matter. So fast forward even past that, you know, I started trying instruments. You know, every kid goes and gets a guitar lesson and they learn how to play the saxophone and, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Or, uh, I went through all the, the recorder. piano lessons yeah. and the record. Oh, my God. God awful. You know what? Actually, <laughs> greatest human listen, instrument. I want to say this to the world. Recorded. I want to say this to the world. If you absolutely fucking shred at the recorder, call me. Yeah. I I I, I want to start a fucking fusion. <laughs> I literally trio said that with the t- no no. It's my idea now. It's, oh my it's God. not yours anymore. Deja vu. That's so weird. <laughs> That's so funny. Please call me. And then I landed on the drums. Oh, um, about what age you landed on the drums? I want to say I was around like eleven years old. Okay. And that was the one thing where it felt like I should be doing this. Yeah. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a oh this is my. This is my family wanting me to try this or try this. This was like a, oh, this actually like makes me not distracted anymore. Like I feel like I can take all of my crazy energy and put it into something. Even though I suck at it, it's just like, oh, that calms me down. This works. I can move around a whole bunch. Um, It just felt right. It just felt right. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I got a teacher. His name is Gary Leone. And he taught me through most of my life. Um, and Gary is one of the most amazing people ever. I could tell he, he probably dealt with me being a terrible student. I'm not a good student. Even when I went to Berkeley, I would just, I just wasn't a good student. Everything I learned, I learned from watching, not replicating. Hmm. Um, Gary taught me through most of my life. Uh, he got me into and was, a, was Gary a private teacher? Or was that Gary was a private system? teacher. He okay. did a lot with like, they, so they had like a Broadway Palms thing. It's like a dinner theater. He did a lot of work with that dinner theater. Um, So he was kind of, and he's an older gentleman, um, but he was still kind of gigging in that sort of scene. He put me in touch with a lot of great people that got me into a youth philharmonic. Like I was doing a lot of percussion, Mm. xylophone, whatever, like, like in an orchestra. And I did that for many years. And then I stopped doing that and I went and joined a youth jazz band. Um, and this is like high school. So I'm like a sophomore in high school at this point. I appreciate you sharing this. Yeah. Was there a moment or was there a point? Cause we talked to a lot of drummers that seem to recall a moment where it was like, you know, they're doing lessons they're going through the school system. They do different orchestras, whatever. And it's like maybe a moment where they realize that this could be a career or this could be like an actual pursuit or maybe like you heard a, or saw like a favorite drummer. Was there any moment like that for you growing up? No, drums just kept me out of trouble. Kept me okay. Yeah, it was a um, common escape. Kind like, of. I mean, I was like, again. Civility. I was not a good student. I barely made it through high school. Um, mm-hmm. I was always getting in trouble. I was just kind of being sharks. kind of be yeah, fighting sharks, being a menace. <laughs> um, I totally see it. You know, so I was drums was my escape. Now, once I got a little older, and I'm pushing like. 17 years old, 18 years old. And I'm like, wait, I fucked off for most of my schooling. I fucked off. Yeah. I don't really have a whole lot of options here. I can't go get into like Harvard or something and be a brain surgeon or 
so what is it I want to do with my life? And I stopped and I thought, well, I love playing the drums. The drums make me happy. You know, I, again, I wasn't a serious player at that time. I mean, I just really loved playing. I was playing with a couple guys around town locally. One of them actually lives here. Um, and we're in a band together right now, currently here. Um, I grew up with this guy. Um, what, but, well, what band is it? So I'm currently in a project called Slow Animals. Um, and we'll get to that in a minute. Yes, we will. But that was keeping me out of trouble. I loved playing. I mean, I wasn't really working a nine to five. I was just gigging making money gigging back home, um, which the scene is way different. I mean, they just want to hear you play Margaritaville a million times. It's a bunch mm-hmm. of old, rich white people that just want to throw money at you. And then, yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of like here, isn't it? <laughs> You're like, wait a second. Wait, yeah. <laughs> just instead just of Margaritaville, it's Wagon Wheel. Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not, you're not wrong. Yeah. Um, so I realized, can you okay. play Mr. Brightside? Yeah, no, yes. literally. We can. That'll be $400. We can. <laughs> Please put money in the bucket. Thank you. Have a good day. Um, yeah, so I realized there wasn't really a whole lot of avenues I had here. I wasn't shaping up to go to college. I really was kind of going to be a bum. I didn't have any plans for my life. Right. I was just going to kind of... Um, you were floating. Yeah, I was floating. I mean, as a lot of us do at that age. But I knew I loved the drums. So I said, you know what? I'm going to audition to one college. One. There aren't going to be any backup plans. If I don't get in, college isn't for me. I'm going to figure it out. So I auditioned to Berkeley. It was like literally all or nothing. I mean, that is probably about as all or nothing as you can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, all right, I only want the best education or none, and I'm going to figure it out. And otherwise, I'm not going to community college. I'm not going to go take courses and stuff I don't care about because I'm not a good student and I don't want to learn about it. So I did that. I auditioned. I got accepted. What was and that it, moment? <laughs> Describe that moment if you remember it. When you, getting I remember, accepted, knowing that like this was the only option you had. I remember the audition. We drove to like Miami and I auditioned in Miami and I remember sitting down and just being so nervous. I played a Chon song uh, <laughs> for my audition. I went in thinking that I was going to play book the one nice. that the, the track the Garska did. Yeah, yeah. Instead, like, I, that's what I practiced. It's what I rehearsed. It was all going amazing. That's what I was going to do until I got in the room and I ended up playing. But the other track that Garska did, and that was just completely on a whim. And then, you know, it was standard, you know, play this groove, do this. Can you play here? You know, what's your ear like? You know, whatever. Um, so I thought I'd just bomb this thing. I go out, I do the interview portion, thought I bombed that too. Um, and I remember waiting like a couple months and I finally get the email hmm. and I'm like, it's like midnight. My family's asleep. It's just me. I was like, uh, probably playing Fallout New Vegas. Again, the best game of all time. I remember opening that email and it said, congratulations, you've been accepted to Berkeley College of Music. And I just fucking scream at the top of my lungs the whole house like lights just start flipping on in the house <laughs> and i hear like my mom is everything okay there's a dog barking down the street. yeah yeah no yeah. literally um and i was like i got into berkeley and you know how that goes just like ah, oh, well, yeah. whatever um wow man yeah so that was my master plan was literally this one thing 
that I thought would have went horrible. And eventually it, it, it just happened. And I was like, okay, cool. So really a lot of it, there was no plan. And there still is no plan. I am literally just like a tumbleweed. I'm just kind of going that direction. The wind's going that way. So, so am I. Um, <laughs> it keeps life interesting. Sure That's does. interesting because I keep I keep sending a certain wind your way and you keep not going that way. Yeah, well, I mean, listen, if you want to call me to sub on one of your gigs, just know that you might get fired off of that gig. I, <laughs> Which is why I can't do that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Just jokes. Just jokes, people. Relax. We have a good hey, time. Hey, everyone, just calm down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've no. been trying to get this dude to to come down and do the Broadway thing and been like, hey, man, do you want to play drums for a living? Yeah. Okay. Well, come down and play drums for a living. Like, just, <laughs> just do it. Yeah. Just just. Do it. Do it now. Yeah. Look at there. If you want. I mean. I mean. It's not for everybody. It's similar to a shed. I mean, it's pros it and cons. Is. I, I guess, uh, yeah. Yeah. Should, should, everyone come, should everyone come to a drum shed, Jake? Yeah, because if you're not, then there's two reasons why. You're either scared or your ego's way too big. And let me add that neither of those things are valid at all in the shed. So... It doesn't matter if you're scared or you have a, have a huge ego. Just come anyways because we all just want to have fun and make people feel good about their playing and learn things. You've heard of Drum Supply, but you got to see their shop. It's a drum shop experience like no other. They're packed with all the gear a working drummer needs and so many parts, noise toys, and accessories. It's a toy store. Curated cymbals, kits, and snares. The hands-on percussion room is nuts and their custom shop work is fast and affordable. Andy and the guys know their stuff, and they're ready to help. Learn more at drumsupply.com. Why don't we transition into what you're up to in Nashville? Because um, you know, we talked about the 615 Sheds, of course, and yep. you know, super, super excited for what's to come with that, and so that we're going to be partnering with you to help get the word out. I think yes. what you're doing is yes. just amazing and beautiful for the community. So yeah, let's discuss Jake away from Six One Five Sheds. Okay, and you mentioned the band that you're in, and any yep. other uh, any other projects that you are currently working on. So I've only been here for a little bit over a year. I moved in August of 2022. Um, That's right, you're a newbie. I am a newbie, and I got linked up with this guy Scott Levi Jones. Um, I met him at D's. I moved to Nashville, thinking that I had this TV show gig, where I was supposed to be on the show Whoa. called Project Supergroup. No which, kidding. I, I swear like, God, I did, drumming or yeah okay. um, it was supposed to be a musician's competition so it was oh, like um, cool. bands and they were all just random players put together and these bands would compete for like a a grand prize or something like that and I remember the audition I got to play with a couple of the guys from the band Chicago which was super dope whoa um, very 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 dope but anyways that fell through they ended up putting the show out still it was called Banded instead Oh, yeah. We, I saw Molly on that, Molly Rose. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that, I was supposed to be part of the original thing. Really didn't like the contract. Hmm. There was this whole drama thing, like the someone took over the thing and all the people got fired and then it was like trying to, it's like, it was like a big thing. But anyways, I was supposed to do that. 
and I met a lot of people through that. Mm. So that was good. I already had, you know, maybe 20 people that I knew fresh in town that have been here for a long time. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to start hanging out with these people. So I was invited out to D's to see this benefit. And I met up with this guy named Scott Levi Jones. Um, him and I hit it off and we ended up forming this thing called Scott Levi Jones and the Holy Cow, which was me on drums, Scott on acoustic and vocals, Caleb Hudson on the bass, and Lorenzo Picone on the guitar, who is nasty. If you guys haven't heard Lorenzo, check mm-hmm. him out. He is coming back from Italy very soon. Um, and him and I are also in a little fusion project with another guy on bass named John Luca. I was playing with them for a long time. I was playing with them for like eight months. We were running to Mississippi, kind of torn around. It was very country, southern rock, Americana kind of vibes. We had this thing at Jolton Hardware up in Jolton. It was a little hardware store, and they did like beer and cheesesteaks and had a stage and also sold like nails and stuff. I don't know. It was cool. Uh, But we had like a little uh, residency where we'd put on a showcase. But – um, yeah, that, that kept me really busy for a while. Um, and it was a lot of fun, met a lot of cool people, played with a lot of cool people. And then my buddy, Ryan early moved. So Ryan early was the guy that I was saying I grew up with, um, in Florida. And then we both got accepted to Berkeley and we both went together. Ryan called me up and he was like, Hey, do you want to be a part of this? And I was like, yeah, sure. What is it? He was like, it's a band. It's kind of like indie punk alt psychedelic shoegaze whatever i don't even know how convoluted genres have become at this point is so hilarious and we're the problem we are why right well yes yes. and i'm like i'm not i don't have an issue with it it's it's hilarious to me (laughs) like and because like well there are those each of those words describes a certain element of this thing and we're all blending so much of that all of the time you're like Right. Well, it's kind of this with some of that and this and that and this and that. And we're really not an everything band. I swear to God, we're not just trying to play everything. But we're like 10 different things. Yeah, no, <laughs> literally. Everything. Yeah. That's kind of what we are. And I mean, that's super dope because it keeps me on my feet. It keeps me really listening and trying to approach things differently. Um, especially because I try and bring a very fusion-y twist to that. Mm. And because I've been playing with Ryan for a very long time. I mean, he was one of the people that I used to gig with when I was like 15, 16 years old and we'd just go out and play whatever we wanted to. Um, So already having that with him and then him calling me up asking if I wanted to be in that, I was like, hell yeah. So we also have my roommate, Kevin Lyman, who's a phenomenal mixer, masterer. I mean, he... Also, I met him at Berkeley, and we decided to move to Nashville. We have him in the band. It's just the four of us. Well, actually, no. Now we just picked up another guy playing keys. That's really been a main focus of mine right now. We're not playing out a whole lot. We do have, like, a Halloween house party thing on the 28th that mm. we're throwing. Ooh. We're, uh, where at? At your place? At Not at my place. At um, Ryan and Nino's place okay. in Laverne. And I will put feelers out for that. Um, cool. So if you are interested in that. Definitely follow us on Instagram, Slow Animals Band. Uh, we are working on a full length right now. We have two singles out right now as well. Super happy with it. Um, and yeah, that's kind of like at least the project I'm in right now. Other than that, a lot of my time has been dedicated to 615. A lot of my time has been dedicated to my own personal 
practice and figuring out what I want to do with my life. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of my time has been dedicated to having my hands inside of saltwater fish tanks, which is a whole other thing. (laughs) And then the other part of that's just been networking, going out to jams. I mean, I go to Englewood every week. I go to Flamingo sometimes. I have started going to Bourbon Street. I'm just trying to be out and taking whatever I can get, honestly. Dude, I, just, I want yeah. to work. I'm happy to work. I love working with new people or old people. It doesn't really matter. I mean, I just want to play. Dude, you're doing it right. Yeah, I love yeah. hearing that. I mean, that's probably the the number one advice that we give and other drummers give is like, if you want to, oh, how do you, how do I get gigs? How do I become this thing? It's like, go out. You got to be, a, you got to show up. You got to yeah. be present. You got to meet people. Yeah. And I mean, and that's, just that. that's how it is. I mean, and a lot of these people, are just great people anyways. So like the drummers, you know, the drum community in Nashville. Okay. So that's a conversation. Um, <laughs> we know a thing or two about. Yeah. No, I know a few of those drummers. guys. It's <laughs> so awesome. So warm and welcoming. And, but at the same time, it is so disgustingly toxic. Tell, what, so what do you mean? Tell, tell me. So I'm really curious what, what you will meet so many drummers in Nashville because I feel like there's, billions of us here it's like drummers and guitar players and that's it yeah, it's, crap ton of, it's, crap ton of it's insane um and most everyone you will meet is just the nicest person on the planet all they want to do is talk to you about drums or be cool people i mean a lot of my friends and people that i've met through inglewood just drummers working drummers and a lot of them will throw me work whenever they can and just things like that very uplifting but at the same time there are some pricks in this community <laughs> and i know i'm gonna say that and get it tons of backlash for it but that's fine because i'm not dropping names um but there are just people that i feel like could be a little more welcoming and a little more like oh hey man like you're super dope i love what you do um that kind of thing because i'm all about uplifting other players we're all here doing the same thing so there's no reason for us to shit on the other guy yeah yeah you know what i mean if you don't particularly like how i conduct things or how I play or stuff like that. That's fine. You don't have to, but you know, it's still about keeping that cool hang. Just, just be a genuine person. Yeah, person. Be, be respectful. Totally. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so yeah, that's what always I mean. be some rotten eggs, you know, any yeah. community. And but, that's, that's kind of what I mean. Like the, yeah. the drum community is great here. It is toxic to a degree in some sense that people like to gatekeep certain things that, don't really don't need to be that way some people are just kind of like very they're not as open to new things which i've noticed nashville in general is kind of like that it's very like this is what we do we don't really accept things outside of that yeah but, well there's um, the thing the thing that i've found with that is there's so much hanging on the tradition of what this place was and yeah which like, is awesome they're, they're and they people people kind of perceive it as like well you know this is like and they're not wrong in saying it. Well, this is like country music city. Like yeah. this is this is where all that comes from. Yeah, that's correct. It's not all that exists though, and even that is benefited by being more wide ranged. That's why. Yes. You, that's why, in my opinion, you're seeing <clears throat> we're seeing kind of a, a boon right now with a bunch of artists who are doing air quotes country music. Like okay, Sturgill Simpson. I'm not saying he's not a country musician, but he made some shit that is not what you would call country music. 
and he made a bunch of anime music videos to it. That, I can't think of something less country than that. But it was so badass, and it it was like it was actually so such effective art because yeah. the dude was able to go, yeah, I just I just want to like like I love country music, and I want to do it my way. Then you have Chris, the Chris Stapletons and the free, there are, there's yeah I don't actually need to go off on it, but there are, there are so many artists now doing that who have caught on and are like I'm not going to be stuck in that. Well, this is how we do things here. It's Zappa, the old school way of thinking. Yeah, well, and and Zappa talked about it. It was like we were better off when all of the record producers knew nothing about music because they were just like, I don't know what's good and what's not. I'm just going to bring in people and throw money at it and see if it works. And and some of it ends up working. And then you you know a couple of decades into that, they're like these like college educated kids start coming in. I know what the kids like, and they started doing (laughs) like here's. Here's yeah. what they like. They like this. So let's make a bunch of that. And we had decades of just that, just formula. It's Here's how you curated. write a song. Yeah. Boring. Throw shit at the wall again. Yeah. Yep. You know, and yeah. I feel like I feel like Nashville's like that to a degree, um, which is why I'm really trying to bring in 615 because it's like there is no shed culture here. A lot of the Nashville drummers are very much like pocket pays the bills. And it does. It does. That is that is honestly the truth. But I'm not trying to pay the bills with 615 sheds. I'm trying to give us all an outlet. That's what I love that you're doing. You know? You're given that opportunity for those drummers, whether Yeah. Cuz I think there's probably drummers that don't even realize it. Like they may they may have that notion, but it's just because of their lived experience. Yeah. It's not like a negative that's thing. Fine. For that's the, fine. You know I mean? Like like pocket is cool. Yeah. Pocket is what makes the music. I mean, if you sit in there on that groove, there is no better feeling in the world. Um hey, just just side note for all the like chops versus pocket thing. For all the guys out there being like, well, the pocket is, yes, of course, pocket is king. Because yes. literally, if you don't have pocket, you don't have chops. Let Correct. me let me say that again. If you don't have pocket, you do, not you, do, have you do not have chops. Chops exist within pocket. If you play in chops that are not locked in, you're not playing chops. You're just making noise. Correct. That's That's it. Yep. You need to know where you are at. At all times, and that is by having a solid and steady foundation, the pocket. So, yes, pocket pays the bills. Pocket is king, always. Um, But this level of thinking in Nashville amongst some of the people in the drum community um, that you can only ever play pocket or you will never get gigs or, you know, these things like that. There's so much fear. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you scared? Why? I think some of it is probably jealousy too. It's like some people, you know, maybe realize they don't have those those skill sets. Maybe they want it. So instead of just trying to come to a shed and learn from and grow from it, they just say, oh, well. They would rather denounce it. Yeah. Well, I have the gig and you don't. So, you know, and that's, that's kind of a toxic It is. Mindset. And then that's kind of what I say. And sometimes the drum community can be toxic. I think also, and not to put words in your mouth, but maybe more a positive spin on that too, is like because there's so much positive energy and I think what you're describing is the minority. I think because of yes. that, those few instances do stand out more. Maybe, yeah. you know, when there's like when there's a dozen eggs and two of them are bad, you're gonna be like, oh, those two are yeah, exactly, definitely bad. Well, it's no. the, yeah, it's the whole it's the whole like the example of taking you take a white sheet of paper and you put a little dot on it. Exactly. Yeah. You're like your your eyeball goes immediately to the dot. You're like, yeah. Hey, look, I see that. 
There's yeah. a dot. Even though the entire, yeah. Well, I, was yes. sh- I was just trying to show you the paper. Yeah, but you were showing me the dot, right? No. Uh, no, so you're missing the point. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, and yeah, I want to exactly. say that 99.9% of my interactions with every single drummer in this town that I've met have been nothing but positive. Yeah. I mean, there are so many amazing players um, here, so many people that I watch them play, and I'm like, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I could be that person mm-hmm. and have that sound and that set of chops and those ideas and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm not. But you're finding your own voice. Though. Exactly. I'm yeah. me, and I love me. And it can I still be informed from those sometimes. players, you know, influenced. Um, and, and to bring it back full circle, I really do think that those guys that you have, because I felt some of that too, I think a lo- a probably most of that comes from fear. Yes. They're, because they are, uh, you said that too, they're, they are afraid of, like, they would be afraid to maybe come into a, cer- a certain s- setting, maybe a shed setting. They're afraid that you showing up and doing something is going to take from them in some right. in some way. They're afraid of trying things, like being put outside of their box, being exposed. They're fr- people, a lot of these dudes who are like, have especially ones that have had like really great gigs. Yeah. Like, they are so afraid of like being exposed for being oh look I'm I'm a fraud I'm like you're dude yeah. I'm, I don't want to do that to you nobody's trying to do that to you right yeah That's, I mean dude I'm I'm literally just here to learn I mean I'm not trying to step on anyone's yeah. toes in this city you you've everyone, been doing everyone it has so good, their lane man. I'm trying to stick to mine my my good friend uh Devin and also a great drummer I mean He's always playing. He's always doing something. He's always throwing me work. Um, so shout out, Devin. He always tells me, find your lane and stay in your lane. <laughs> always says that. And that's really what this is about. I'm not, I don't want to step on other people's toes. My lane currently right now is the sheds. That's my lane. That's something that I love. It's something I'm good at. And it's something that I want to share with the world. Yeah, I love so, it. And you're giving people a lane to, to enter also. Yeah. And, and I'm it's not, your lane, but I don't want to gatekeep it. it. Yeah. You know, it's not just mine. It mm-hmm. is Nashville's. That's why it's 615 Sheds. It's not Jake Sheds. It's yeah. 615 Sheds. This is for Nashville. This is not for me. It started for And you're, me if you're not in bored. 615, yeah. go fuck yourself. Yep. <laughs> oh. hey, is that the mindset? <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. should I know what you never meant to me? So I Let's do some quick Nashville outro wrap-up. Or, or not Nashville. Yeah, just let's... some quick questions. Yeah, please. This, this has been awesome. Favorite spots to grab a bite in town? Ooh, we name a couple. Fat Bites, big on Joyland in um, in and Five Points. Yep. Oh, oh God, dude, best is... chicken sandwich ever, dude! It's so good. It's so good. Uh, Jolton Hardware. It's one of the best cheesesteaks, obviously. I think it's say nails. Yeah, good nails. Yeah, they have good nails. You yeah. can put them on. <laughs> you can put them on the sandwich if you want to. Um, and. I don't know, JB's Poor House in Hermitage. It's like right by my house. Dude, their cheeseburger salad. A little bit of Chipotle Ranch. Burger salad. Fuck that up. Nice. Yes, that's it. Cool. Yes. Okay. All right, well, we, we usually have to ask the the spicy question. And by that, I mean, how spicy do you do the hot chicken? Dude. If you do it. I used to grow Carolina Reapers in my backyard. Of course you did. You can throw whatever you want at me. I will eat it. It's fine. 
That was the I want to watch you answer. eat really spicy chicken, and I want you to laugh. That should at be me a segment we do. Like the, I, I genuinely will. Yeah, like I want. Literally, we should, yeah. do, we should yeah. do a video. No, if just eating yeah. it, looking directly at me, and just laughing. If you guys, yeah. if you guys want to meet up again no in this room, yeah. go out, buy me a chicken sandwich. Don't tell me where it's from, and get it as hot as you possibly can. I will eat it on camera. We will. There's no windows in here. No one can see this stuff. And I'll be fine. I will literally be fine. It's not a big deal. I love it. Okay, I have a question about your hat. And yes. With that, I mean, this is gonna be a quick question, but we can maybe you can give us a few more sentences on this because you're you know you're an entrepreneur as we are yes. as well, and I, I want to talk about the design on the hat. You've got well, we'll put this on video. Actually, the video camera just died. You've got your initials JR. You got the drumsticks, and you've got some some dice. Yes. Talk about that and just how you see you know the importance of marketing. So that same buddy that I used to paddleboard with, Camden, um, he actually drew this logo for me. I originally sent him a logo when I was at Berkeley. It was a die with JR on it and then the number seven. And that was, you know, just something that I had drawn up. I thought it was cool, thought it was unique. I also do this thing where I hang a pair of metal dice from my ride symbol play. It's a, oh, it's a lucky every charm. time? Every single time. I never noticed that. Every, not a lot of people do because the way I do it, they're chrome and so is the hardware that I use because I use the DW stuff yeah. and so it blends in like crazy and it's right behind my ride um, which I also tape my initials on the back of my ride because I think I'm Bruner but I'll never be as good as Bruner um, so you know you just gotta steal steal some things from the heroes you, yeah. do, you have to cool you have man to. so yeah got some personality and yep it's um, pretty cool yeah. yeah so this was just something he drew up I was like hey man can you do this and put the dice in there and put the sticks in there and put JR? That's really all I want. And he came up with this and I was like, dude, this is perfect. So now I've just kind of been branding it, trying to wear it out. I'm going to get my car decaled with it and stuff. I love it. Um, just try and make a something out of it, you know. And 615 Sheds, he's also doing the logo for that. I have a temporary logo on there right now. He's still working on it. And once that's done, I'm going to print out some merch and start selling them at the sheds if people even want that kind of thing. Because I don't know about you, but I would wear a 615 Sheds hat. Oh, dude. I would wear that. I would, I would buy dude. and wear that so fast. I would wear 615 Sheds diapers. <laughs> dude. For all of our newborns. The diaper I'm wearing right now <laughs> is now going to be officially a 615 diaper. You know what? Is it Shout huggies? Out to d- d- depend. You know what? Depends, I, yeah. Okay. But did you hear my joke? I, I just found spot? it recently. Oh, wait, hold on. Did you guys Japan. not hear my... I said 615 shits. Oh, yeah. I, thought was, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Hey, that's good. Yeah, that's that's good. You, let it, yeah. you let it slip in like, so sneaky that yeah. I didn't even catch it. Just like a fart. Five yeah. shits. <laughs> five shits. Oh, we're no longer friends. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of like my, my little brand. That's the... The story behind it. It's another way to stand out. Yeah. It's, I noticed. It's another no, cool. I've never another, seen uh, anyone do that. Ever. It's cool. It's personality. Yep. It's, it's my great. little flavor. I love it. All right, Jay, give us the social media for 615 Sheds for you, and we'll cue the outro. Alrighty. You can find me on Instagram at Jacob Robinson Drums with Z D R U M Z. That's my Instagram. That's pretty much like that's my website too, jacobrobinsondrums.com, my email, at Gmail. I mean, it's all one thing. So if you need to find me, it's with the Z. Uh, and 615 Sheds, you can find us there at 615 Sheds, also with a Z. If you can see a theme there. Consistency um, is important. Yep. If you do it with an S, you'll find a company that builds sheds. 
You know what? Probably. <laughs> is that is that the truth? No. Thanks for listening to this episode of the National Drummers Podcast. If you've enjoyed these podcasts, please consider supporting us on Patreon. For $5 a month, you can help support this dream and keep the ball rolling for us. Believe it or not, it's not free or even necessarily cheap for us to make this thing go. To sign up, go to patreon.com slash Nashville Drummers Podcast or click the link in our Instagram bio. All of your help is greatly appreciated. Check out our new website, nationaldrummerspodcast.com. And if you're not already following us on Instagram, you can follow us at Nashville Drummers Podcast. This episode was recorded at Diamond Sound Studios located in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for listening, listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. episode.